Welcome to the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson. And if you're ready to live life on purpose in your God-given gifts, strengths, and identity without sacrificing family, home, self, and soul care, then you've come to the right place. But first and foremost, we want to make sure we're seeking the steadfast, loving kindness and peace that surpasses understanding from Jesus Christ. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode of the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. Before we get into today's podcast recording, I do want to provide a trigger warning on here. The content discussed in this episode is not for the ears of young children. So if you normally listen to this with your little ones running around, maybe put in some earbuds or save it for another time. I am going to be sharing stories that involve abortion, sexual abuse, addiction, possibly some other things I'm forgetting about at this moment. But please know before you continue listening today that these topics will be discussed and be prepared. This episode is a bit longer than you're used to seeing here on the Intentional Abundant Life podcast, but I promise you it is worth the listen. Hello, sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Abundant Life podcast. Or if you're new here, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it here. And at the end of today's episode, if you've enjoyed what you're hearing here, I would so love to see you drop a five-star review on any podcast platform that you're listening to this on. By doing so, that's going to help the podcast platform show it to other people that might also be interested in the information that we're sharing here. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to apologize to you guys in advance. I have been super sick this week, and while I've been feeling quite a bit better, actually, these last few days, like significantly better, I still have a crack in my voice, probably going to be taking sips of water, and I'm sure you can hear a little bit of congestion going on as well. So I hope that's not a trouble to you. And I've just got so much on my heart I want to share with you guys this week. And so this episode is going to be entitled Testimony, Your Testimony. Um, And a big part is because this weekend I got to participate in a women's retreat. And it was different than a lot of women's retreats that I had been to in the past because a huge aspect of this retreat was focusing on fellowship on allowing women to share their testimony and connect, just having time to sit with each other, find out what things do we have in common that maybe we wouldn't know about otherwise. Maybe we wouldn't know about if we hadn't been willing to be vulnerable and sit and share the hard. And I was truly blessed beyond measure by sharing my own testimony. I've done it time and time again, um, and I'm going to share it with you guys here today, at least a little bit of it. I don't have any specific notes, so we'll see where the Holy Spirit leads. But I was also extremely blessed by hearing the testimony of so many other women from even my congregation, women that I've been going to church with for you know, maybe some of them a year, maybe some of them the last five years and parts of their story that I didn't even know about. And by one person 
getting up and being vulnerable and sharing their heart and sharing what God has brought them through has been this thing that's created this ripple effect where other people have been able to be more vulnerable to share things that that they might be struggling with right now or have struggled with in the past that maybe they felt like they couldn't share. And so I'm going to get into my testimony and then I'm going to share a little bit about um, some of the other testimonies, not sharing other people's personal stories, but kind of my takeaways and the impact that it had on me. And I've got uh, quite a few different scripture references that I want to share with you that came up during this event and have just been really heavy on my heart since then. So I have given a brief overview, but I want to go a little bit deeper into it and really share with you guys what God has done in my life and continues to do in my life. And if I sit here and share my whole testimony in detail, we're going to be here for several hours. (laughs) And I know we don't have time for that. So this is going to be somewhat similar to the one that I shared the other day. And it's just kind of this overarching like umbrella or thread or theme of my life that just really shows God's hand and God's faithfulness over um, everything that I've experienced and everything that I've been through from before I was even born. Yes, before I was even born. (laughs) So while I was a a little zygote in my mother's womb, um, the, the thought was definitely there. And I've heard stories of even actions taken towards abortion. And I was shared a story about my life where my mother was actually on her way to get an abortion. And my dad found out and stopped her. And she had struggled with a miscarriage not too long before I was conceived and was told under no circumstances should you conceive a child within the next X amount of time. And it was within that amount of time I was conceived and the warnings that she received was that her child would be mentally and physically handicapped and all of these other things and and really just a lot of fear surrounding that and my mother. And so I can definitely understand someone being in that position and thinking, man, I'm struggling to probably even take care of my, I think my brother was maybe one and a half, maybe two, almost two at the time. And, and then to have a child who's, who's disabled or not, um, you know, fully equipped to live under their own capacities would be something that would be a difficult decision to make. But I, I really want you guys to take away from this, just God's hand over my life before I was even born. And that really speaks volumes to me about God's goodness and God's faithfulness over me and my life. And I just think life in general, life as a whole. And continuing on, I think in early childhood, I was a very happy kid. I was a happy baby. My dad would always talk about, um, how I just smiled so much. But then the evil crept in. Then the trauma started happening. And when I say trauma, it was sexual abuse. Childhood sexual abuse took place. And at the time, I knew it wasn't comfortable, but I didn't know and fully grasp how wrong it was. And so this continued for several years. I remembered um, the fear of coming home from school and it was in 
later elementary school, I think around about age 10. I don't have specifics because my memory is still filled with black spots and cloudiness surrounding some of these things. And, um, but anyways, I remember being in school and learning in sex education. Uh, and I, it was at that time that I realized this is not how this type of relationship is supposed to go. And so when that took place, I did everything in my power to stop this abuse from happening. And while many times I was able to protect myself from being sexually abused, the abuse transformed. The abuse became mental and emotional. It became bullying and getting other people involved in this bullying. Um, And that's when I really lost a whole lot of my self-confidence. I became this kind of like shut in. I kind of hid from the world. I was wearing boys clothes all the time. I actually remember one year later on into, into my teen years when I started wearing girls clothes and then dressed up as a boy for Halloween, all the guys at school were like, hey, Sasha's back. Just this really embarrassing time in my life where I felt like I had to hide myself or I would have been taken advantage of. And um, and just a lot of self-confidence was not there. I was only as good as what I could do to serve others. And if I wasn't able or sometimes willing to serve others, then my value and my worth, even as a human being, didn't exist. And this led me into what I didn't know at the time, but was just this slew of living and coping mechanisms. It was such a struggle for me because I kept destroying friendships. I kept destroying relationships. I was very bold, but it was in an aggressive manner. Uh, I was very controlling and very angry. Anything at all could set me off into this red out anger streak. And it was very, very difficult to come out of. And I was caught up in addiction. I was binge drinking from a very young age. And that lasted all the way into probably my mid-20s. And I smoked a lot of marijuana. Some of you might be surprised by hearing that, but uh, I shared my testimony a few weeks ago on Facebook Live and a few people were caught off guard by that. I have actually titled myself Pothead. And much like an alcoholic, I am not able to have one, even one, one hit, toke, puff, whatever you want to call it, similar as to an alcoholic or somebody else who's familiar with addiction could could not even have one because one is too many. It's going to just lead to more and lead to this to this pool of trouble in your life. But then once you have the one, a million is never enough. And so I think that's a, a pretty common or familiar saying in the NA or AA world um, that one is too many and a million is never enough for somebody who's familiar with with being in the throes of addiction. And so that is me. That is very much me with marijuana. I realized years ago I just can't even touch it because then I'm just in I, I'm I'm in over my head with it. And I was actually shared a scripture verse and I don't know why, but it's not one that I've pulled up to reference with you guys today, but I think it comes from Hebrews um I'll have to go back and look at it and I'll put it in the show notes for you guys. But 
it was talking about recognizing a sin and continuing to do it is like spitting in the face of Christ while he's hanging on the cross. And I was listening to that after I just went through a couple of weeks of just binge smoking, if you will, um, basically being high almost 24-7. And I listened to that scripture verse in a sermon and I was broken. My spirit was broken. And I just prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I repented and I begged the Lord to relieve me from this addiction to help break it in my life. And he did. He came through. And today I can I can say I'm multiple years sober. I'm not going to say several because I don't even know where the increment from multiple to several kicks in. <laughs> and I do not want to be a liar here about this. But um, several or multiple years sober. And um, I mean, I've had it in my hand. I've found it in my car. I've had it in my home. Um, I have been in the circle and passed it right by. And the Lord has fought that temptation for me time and time again. So all glory to him for his goodness in that. But um, going back to to a lot of these other coping mechanisms, I was living in this control and anger and and all of these things that just, they were really in control of my life. Fear and shame and guilt were in control of my life, causing me to stay stuck living in all these coping mechanisms that were destroying me, destroying the world around me. And Christ literally delivered me from all of that. It was actually the winter of 2014 going into 2015 that I reached one of the lowest lows of my life. Prior to this, my husband and I were living in England and and we were coming back to Alaska and in my mind, I had this idea that I was coming home, that it was going to be this just beautiful situation, this beautiful story um, where I was going to be surrounded by family and people who loved me and accepted me for who I am. And like everything was going to be perfect. And my husband wasn't going to just deploy anymore. And I could just be myself. And I came home and <laughs> within, I think, two weeks, my husband was living um, in a remote village in Alaska, working construction. And I had my mom and dad and my uncle and for a period of time, another young girl that I grew up with living with us. Um, we moved back to Alaska because our condo was trashed by renters and the sale fell through. And um, we were trying to fix up and sell the condo because it had just been such a heavy burden in our lives for so long. But living with several people in your home that it's not their home. It was very difficult to keep it tidy enough for a showing. I didn't have um, the help that I had hoped and expected to have with the people that were living there um, to fix it up. It seemed like everybody had an excuse when it came down to it. And, and just all of these other stressors pushing in on me from all angles. And I remember being more lonely than I had ever been in my life living in a house full of people. And I became very depressed. I was already very angry and controlling and and all of these other things. I was going to school full-time and working full-time, and I was just the hottest mess that you could ever imagine. And I remember talking to my aunt, who is a godsend, who is a, a counselor, 
um, mental health specialist. And she told me if I did not contact her, I think it was by Tuesday, and let her know that I had a counseling appointment, that she was going to come here and schedule one for me or admit me because I, my language was just very scary because my heart was, was very scary, um, at that same time. So I remember going to counseling and in, in this time between, um, you know, this, this pit and, and going to counseling, I did, by the way, um, abide by her request. So she didn't have to come up here and force me to do anything. But I had looked at these friends who shared scripture on their Facebook every day. And I thought, you know, these people have faced similar circumstances. They've faced hardships. They've had waves come crashing at them. Why are they not drowning like I am? Why are they still able to breathe and smile and face the day? Why are they not crippled by them? And when I looked at what they had, it was Jesus. They had the living word of God. They had scripture And so I started reading scripture and I remember reading and hearing just all of this about how life was so good with Jesus, right? Like the afterlife is all I could really read was like in eternity. And so it came to a point where all I was doing was, was praying for death because I wanted, I wanted this life with Jesus so desperately. I wanted to be out of the situation, um, out of the life that I was in, just destroyed by this trauma. And, um, and when I reached out to a counselor, I I wanted to make sure it was a Christian counselor. And I just remember the specific appointment where I went in and I just spilled the beans with her because a lot of this childhood trauma, a lot of this sexual abuse, um, was, was kind of blacked out of my memory for a long time. Anytime it would come up for about two decades of my life, um, I had this just really, really amazing coping system to tell me that it's too ugly to be true, therefore it's a lie, and just stuff that lie away. And I don't know where I learned this. I don't know if it was my brain automatically. I don't know if it was a form of God's protection or if somebody taught me, but it was unrealized trauma. It was in my body. My body knew. My brain knew. But consciously, I did not know. And it was destroying me and eating me alive from the inside. And so after I had come clean, shared all of this with my counselor, processed a lot of it, she had told me that it was time to lay down the guilt and pick up God's grace. And it was that very next Sunday that my husband agreed to come to church with me. And mind you, we had not been into a church, either of us, other than, you know, touring around Europe and all the old cathedrals and things like that. We had not been to church to attend a church service and listen to a sermon ourselves in several decades, multiple decades. I see the several multiple thing. I keep I keep coming back to it because I got hung up on it at the beginning. So we went to church to listen to the church sermon and uh, the pastor in there was speaking about grace. And we could both swear to you that there was nobody else even in, in the audience that day. It was just God speaking through that pastor directly to us. And it was an incredibly beautiful experience. And it showed us just how faithful, it showed me how faithful and personal God was right then and there. And we still attend that same church today. 
I know that looking back now, God has rewritten my story and he's rewritten it with his light shining on it in all of these different ways. And one way in particular is that he showed me how so much of this trauma that I had experienced, so much of these hardships and struggles that I had been through, he kind of took and put in this little box, almost like a little treasure chest. And he waited until I was ready to fall into his arms. And then he opened it. I've had a counselor who just always sat there and looked at me. Really funny. And I would ask her, like, why are you looking at me like that? It made me feel so awkward. But when I would ask her, why are you looking at me like that? She's just like, you're just an anomaly. Everything in the DSM, which is, for those of you who may not know, it's like the, they call it the mental health Bible. I'm using air quotes here. The mental health Bible that has like all mental health diagnoses and information about them and things like that. According to the DSM, I should be um, a drug addict. I should be an alcoholic. I should be inflicting like generational trauma on my children. Like I, I should not be a success, you know, even by the world standards. I should not be somebody who is of sound body and mind. I have not, should not be somebody who is um, intellectually and emotionally intelligent. I should not be somebody who is who I am today essentially. And I just have to give all the glory to God because I repented. I leaned in. I did the work. Granted, like EMDR therapy and going and processing all of this stuff was not easy. And I will never tell somebody, oh, it's easy. Like just go do X, Y, and Z. No, I did do that. But regardless of all of that, I am where I am and I am exactly who I am because of God. Because for so long of my life, he took this and put it in a little box and made it so I would not be as severely affected, I guess. I was indeed protected by the shelter of his wing. I was in his refuge even when I didn't even know it. And in part of him rewriting my story, one of the main things that he has shown me is that that time when I was so depressed and suicidal and was just praying for death, that he was working that. He, he was working in the process rewriting my story and making me a new creation in him that in the end I realized I truly got exactly what I was praying for because so much of the old me that hiding in shame the control um the anger the bitterness and resentment the the boldness out of aggression so many of those things have fallen away from me the addiction I, I can't even list the number, but so many good things have come in to replace all of those holes, I guess, that coping mechanisms were filling at the time. And now I'm blessed by 
by God's goodness and his loving kindness in so many ways. And I get to live and operate with the fruit of the spirit and all the goodness that comes along with that. But no doubt there was certainly a time that I, I was stuck in the throes of it, that I was in, in the difficult and in the yuck. I was crippled, in fact, by the fear of letting truth get to me. But I also see a huge part of that was the enemy trying to get me to continue to hide, to continue to hide in shame and guilt and and to not share my story, to not share truth because sexual abuse, sexual assault is highly prevalent in this world. There are so many who have struggled through the reality of living in that and living after that. Survivors that that don't feel like they can speak up because somebody will say how it was at least a little bit their fault. Or somebody would say, well, they didn't speak up sooner. Or somebody will say they deserved it. So if that's you, I want you to know it's not your fault. I don't care if you were blackout drunk. I don't care if you were wearing the skankiest clothes that existed. It's not your fault. That was something that was done to you. And you did not deserve that. And God can rewrite that story. He can show you where he was in that. And I can promise you, he is crying and he is broken. And he is grieved just as much as you are over that. Because God is a righteous God. He loves righteousness and he loves justice and he loves goodness. And that is none of the above. And I feel like that's a huge part of what God told me in rewriting my story was that every tear I cried, he did too. And every time I was broken by that, he was too. Because that's not his design. That's not how he created it and wanted it to be. And so I'll leave you with that in terms of my testimony. Like I said, I could share for hours. There's so many other little stories in my life of just God's goodness and God's faithfulness over it. And I know that if you sit with him, he will show you that over your life as well. And the stories that I heard at this retreat the other day were were truly life-changing for me. I heard a story incredibly similar to mine with somebody who struggled with a very difficult childhood. And and honestly, I I would even say hers was more difficult than mine, (laughs) completely more difficult than mine. But now we get to talk about that. Now we get to come together and share Um, not just the stories of the ick and the gross, but the overcoming and of God's goodness. And, And my heart just goes out to her because I see this woman and and maybe like some of you have seen me, it's just like, she, she is a light and she loves the Lord. And she is a mother that tends to her family so well. And, and she is modest. And the things that she had told us about herself are things that I never, never would have imagined. 
So, um, and then there were stories about, about women who had been raised in the church since they were born with God-fearing parents, but just the testimony of God's goodness to continually draw him back to them, to set their hearts on fire for him, to reveal even these little things to them about him. And a couple of the scriptures that I wanted to share with you guys today that have just been on my heart these last few days. Um, one of them, a young woman was actually painting on a rock and it was so beautiful. It turned out amazing. If she doesn't want to keep it, I'm going to, I'm going to strangle her and keep it for myself. (laughs) Um, but it's Psalm 61 too. And it says from the end of the earth, will I cry unto thee? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I just thought, what a beautiful picture that paints. From the ends of the earth, when my heart is overwhelmed, which as a mom, I mean, come on, we get overwhelmed all the time. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And Jesus is that rock. The living word of God is that rock. And that's why I encourage all the moms that I talk to, you got to get up before your family and get in the word. It's the only way I survive. (laughs) And another one is Isaiah 59, 19. And it says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. But this part, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And you guys, I I firmly believe that that standard is the word of God. We have to know it. We have to be in it. It has to be planted in our hearts and our minds and our souls and on the doorposts of our home and, and everywhere we go. So when the enemy comes, we have something to hold up against him. We have the armor. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6, I love this one because it talks about strongholds. And I feel like this is something that is really prevalent in our culture and our, our day and age today because these, these, these sins that I faced, this trauma that I faced was not new to me. I was not the first one. They are ones that, that went on and in my parents' lives and in their families, you know, their parents' lives. And it's multi-generational trauma that is carried down. But we have the ability to overcome because of Christ, because of God, because of the gift of the word of God that we have. So 2 Corinthians 4 or sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. This is scripture, you guys. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And I just love that because to me, it goes right back to this verse in Isaiah. We have to lift 
the the spirit of the Lord shall lift the standard against him, against the enemy. And we can destroy these arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey him and destroy these strongholds, destroy these thoughts and beliefs that that those past traumas have implanted into our minds and into our hearts. We have the ability to destroy them with this divine power that is Christ in us. In John 8, 31 and 32, where Christ himself said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this is so powerful because it's not just against those strongholds and those beliefs and those thoughts that we can have. It's against the overwhelm. It's against the guilt. It's against the shame that keeps us in hiding. It's against the temptation that might even be the very thing that holds us back and keeps us trapped. Abide in my word. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I want to leave you guys with this one. Ephesians 3.20 Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that work in us. And I just love these verses. And it was actually uh, another woman at the retreat, Jenny, that had shared um, some of these during her testimony. And it was just so powerful. Her testimony wasn't this big dramatic story about um, crazy hardships that she had been through, but but mostly about um, about overcoming these thoughts and beliefs that she struggles with that one little thing could go wrong, that causes her to rely on this greater belief, that causes her to question her, you know, existence or her worth or her her goodness as a mother or whatever it is. And I just want to encourage you guys that you have the power of Christ living in you. He died to forgive you for any sins. And he has a power to help you overcome and destroy these strongholds, overcome the enemy coming at you, to overcome the overwhelm when we seek him and we seek his word. And he has the power to give you exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. And I hope that you know him. I hope that you love him and I hope that you are seeking him because if you've come here for help, for clarity, for guidance and motherhood, um, I'm not able to help you without leaning on him. All of my, my decisions in life are, are run through him. All of my business decisions are run through him. I would not be here if it weren't for him. In fact, I wouldn't even have have this podcast and the business that I do and be coaching moms if it weren't for him. And a huge part of my testimony in, in wrapping up is that because of what I've been through, and I'm not just talking about sexual abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, addictions, fighting, generational strongholds, 
but so many other things that I've been through that I, I haven't had the opportunity to share today for the sake of time, but subscribe. I'm sure you're going to hear them at some point. Um, I want you guys to know that the reason I do anything that I do is for the glory of God, is because I see everything that he has given me, good, bad, and ugly, all the experiences that he's walked me through and rewritten in my life as a gift. And they're gifts from him that I now have the responsibility to share notes with others, to help guide others through and be an encouragement and share the light that he has put in me with others. And I believe that he's given me the gifts that he has in this life and created all of my experiences or rewritten all of my experiences in the way that he has so that I can be this light and encouragement to others. And because there were a few people in my life that helped point me to him. And I know what a rough and difficult journey it has been to walk even, even alongside him through all of this. And I know the importance of, of having an ally, of having a friend, of having a mentor, of having somebody to hold your hand and share notes and guide you back to him time and time again, no matter what the struggle is. He is why I live an intentionally abundant life and my heart aches for all the mothers, all the women who do not live intentionally abundant lives in him. Hey mom friends, I want you to know that you are invited to the Intentional Abundance Co's Autumn Retreat. Yes, a retreat, a virtual retreat held from the comfort of your home or your favorite coffee shop right on Zoom. This retreat is designed to help busy moms find a moment for themselves, to become more aware, more present, more intentional, and more peaceful. It's a soul refresh, a mindset adjustment, and we're going to be adding some tools to your belt for you to begin again. We're going to sit down and evaluate how you've been showing up in life, how it's affecting you, and how you can step forward to a better you tomorrow. If you're interested, the link is in the show notes, and I hope to see you there.